sitting beside you, becoming God's kind of vessel. So the first thing that's uh, okay, the first thing that caught my attention was the use of the verb to start the sentence, becoming God's kind of vessel. So it made me have a feel that the sentence wasn't complete, sort of. It gave me that clause feel, dependent clause feel, yes. But Okay, so uh, becoming, the, the verb becoming, please, what, what tense is it? <laughs> I hope no one is saying past participle. Uh-huh. That one will be an indication for baptism by fire. Yes. Okay, so it is in the present continuous. So that is the first thing that should strike you. So it's a continuous a continuous process. So we are not there yet. Hallelujah. So the things that we would like to put in our minds as we go through this topic. So sort of the objectives. Please, can everyone hear me? Okay, thank you. So the first thing, what is God's kind of vessel? What is God's kind of vessel? Then the second thing will be the characteristics of God's kind of vessel. Then the third thing that we'll look at will be what it takes to become God's kind of vessel. So by the time we look at these three things, you have a feel of where you stand and you have a feel of what you should be doing and what you have been able to do. Hallelujah. So the first and foremost thing, when I was looking for the meaning of a vessel, so I typed it in Google, like every normal student would do. Vessel, meaning, uh-huh. Then I saw so many things. Vessel in sailing, vessel in chemistry, vessel in biology, and even as um, health people, we also know vessel. Tunica, like those kind of things, yeah. But right now, what we are looking at is a vessel as in a containing, uh, or a, a container, a storage container, something that you can keep uh, fluid in. Yes, so one, one of the definitions that really caught my, my attention was the one for biology. And they said that a vessel is a fluid conducting tissue. So I looked at it twice and I'm like, okay, 
So a vessel is a fluid conducting tissue, like those xylem and stuff. Uh -huh. and, and it kind of related to what we are going to talk about today. That's why I'm highlighting it. A fluid conducting tissue, that's a vessel. And so what is God's kind of vessel? I'd like us to read First Timothy. That will be our main scripture for today. First, I'm sorry, Second Timothy. Sorry, Second Timothy two, verse twenty-two. We are looking at God's kind of vessel. So please go back to twenty-one. Second Timothy two, verse twenty-one. Okay, let's start from twenty. Let's start from twenty. Yes. So, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Hallelujah. So as we go on, we'll read the other parts. Hallelujah. So this, this scripture, it starts from but, which means that it is... Um, making reference to uh, something that was said earlier in the chapter. Yes, but normally doesn't start a sentence. So they were saying something before and then he came to talk about this. What Paul was saying in the whole chapter, Paul was actually angry and blasting people, sort of. There were false teachers going around and there were still people who were holding on to the truth of God's word. So he was advising Timothy to be one of those people who will be true to God's word, to be a faithful minister of the word of God. And in the talk and talk, this came in. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but of wood and clay. So before we even start, I'd like us to understand what this great house is. Yes, so what is this great house? People can say, okay, maybe the great house is the whole world, or the great house is the earth, or even plus the other planets. Everything is God's creation, so everything is the great house. Someone can make that argument, and the person could be right, unless you are able to stand with your point and say, this is the reason why this is the great house. Hallelujah. So I'd like us to read 1 Timothy 3 verse 15. And 1 Timothy was written by the same person who wrote 2 Timothy. So it's sort of, we get that it's the same person's idea. Yeah. So 1 Timothy 3 verse 15, the previous, yes. Okay. Can we get the NLT, NLT translation? Okay. So that if I am delayed, you will know how you people must conduct, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Hallelujah. So over here, we can see where the great house is coming from. It says that the church is the household of God. The church is the household of God. And this tallies right on with the, the story, the parable we're reading in 2 Timothy, the one we just came from, which was talking about the great house. 
and we can see a church here. But let's look at something. Please show us Hebrews 3 verse 5, still in the NLT. Some people will still say maybe I'm making it up or something like that. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God will reveal later. So if someone can tell me the kind of house Moses was serving, did anyone see a physical building somewhere that Moses was working in as a servant? Maybe he was cleaning the floors and those things. That wasn't recorded. Uh-huh, yes. So Moses was certainly faithful in, the, in God's house as a servant. So over here we can see the representation of God's people as a church. Can we, can we all see it? Yes. So that was the work that Moses was doing. And then the household representation of God's people. So when Paul says that in a great house, we are talking about the church of God, the people of God. So in the first place, if you are not a Christian, if you have not received Jesus as your Lord, then the great house, the, the, that one cried there, you are no part. Uh-huh. You see where we are going. It means that the great house won't come. You are far away from the commonwealth of Israel. So before you can come into this great house, then you must know the owner of the great house. Hallelujah. Yes. So we have established that the house is the church of God, the people of God. That is the great house we are talking about. So we know what a vessel is. A fluid conducting tissue. Hallelujah. And we know what the great house we are talking about is. Hallelujah. So then, what is God's kind of vessel? What is God's kind of vessel? The first thing we want to look at is, what is not God's kind of vessel? Hallelujah. So, the first thing we say is that God's kind of vessel cannot be described by the outside. Hallelujah. It cannot be defined by the outward. That is one very important characteristic of God's kind of vessel. You cannot look at the containing, the, the design and say that, oh, this one is God's vessel. It doesn't happen like that. It doesn't happen like that. That is our disposition as human beings to judge things by the cover. To look at this and say, okay, this does this, this does that, this does that. So, in this text, we can see something here. That there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but of wood and clay. Straight up, someone will say that, oh, the gold and the silver are God's vessels. And the wood and the clay are Satan's vessels. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can make a claim out of it and actually prove your point. But today, that is not what we are trying to, to bring out. When you look at this, there is no implication from this scripture that gold is for God, wood and clay are for something else. But there is an implication here. Some for honor and some for dishonor. Hallelujah. And honor and dishonor, you can't see it by looking at the vessel, hallelujah. So God's type of vessels, God's kind of vessels 
are not defined by the outward. What does this mean? It means that doing things in God's name doesn't make you his kind of vessel. Does it? Yes, doing things in God's name doesn't make you his kind of vessel. This is to say that the external things that we do, or we go and gather people, bring them to church, we go and preach, we bring people for Christ, we see visions, we come and care for the household of God. It doesn't make you God's kind of vessel. I remember when I was in class three, when I was in class three, I think so, I saw a tract, those evangelism tracts here, and they wrote on it, seven things that will not take you to heaven. And I saw number one, prayer. Number two, fasting. Number three, uh, going to church. Number four, so I went to the man who leads us in worship. And I told him, look at this, look at what I've seen. How is this possible that praying won't take you to heaven? Going to church won't take you to heaven? Is this a mistake or something? And he, he actually had time to explain to me that these things are not relational things we do with God. Most of them, you can do it for sure. You can do it for eye service, like people to, people to see that, hey, okay, you are also doing something, yes. But those things necessarily don't point to a fact or a truth, yes. So doing all these things, doing this, these external and big things, don't necessarily make you God's kind of vessel. Because God's kind of vessel is not defined by the outward, hallelujah. So what is God's kind of vessel? God's kind of vessel is a vessel that brings him the most glory. Hallelujah. God's kind of vessel is a vessel that brings him the most glory. It is a vessel that he will use. God's kind of vessel is a vessel that he will use. And I don't say the vessel that he can use because God can use anyone and anything. Who doesn't agree? God can use anyone and anything. There's this very nice song that I think he'll song here. Yeah, they say, and does you speak a hundred billion evolving in pursuit of what you said? Yes, so when God speaks, creation is turning and turning and turning to do what God says. Yes, so God can use, he can use stones if you don't want to worship God. God can use stones. God can use animals. He has used animals before. He can use donkeys. He can use birds. He can use big fishes to come and swallow you. Yeah, it has happened before. It has happened before. I was thinking, God, so why didn't you make a fisherman go and fish on that day and let him catch Jonah? and take him to Nineveh. Why? Why did you have a fish to swallow him? Like, that's just to show us that God can use anything. Yes, but then the vessel that will bring him the most glory is his kind of vessel. Hallelujah. It's a vessel that God will use. Hallelujah. God can use unbelievers. He has used unbelievers before. He used King Cyrus 
to free his people and take them back to go and build his temple. He has done it before. He can even use unconverted, unrepentant Christians. So you see people doing all things and you know that there are secret places. The kind of things they do, how come they are still highly anointed and just like this? God can use anyone and anything. But then for those group of people, he will tell them relationally that, do I know you? Do you know me? There's a day that will come that God will actually tell them face to face. Do, we look, do you look familiar? Do I look familiar too? <laughs> yes. So uh, every one of them have their place. They all have their places. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So even in the case where God will use and can use everyone. I say this because God knows everyone's breaking point. He knows how, God knows how to get you. You think, how far can you go? Go and ask Pharaoh. Pharaoh was hard. He was a hard guy. You are not harder than Pharaoh. Come on. Someone who could call magicians to come and battle God. You can you do that? Won't you be scared? He called magicians. Say, Moses has done this. Even for come, 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 come and do it. Show God that we also have power. Can you imagine such a person? But God took him to his breaking point and then he gave up. So God, God can use you. God can use you. He, he can use you, but will he use you? He can use you by force, by fire. Or you think he can't? <laughs> but that is not what will bring him the most glory. Hallelujah. Yes. So still on what is God's type of vessel. We have established that it is the vessel that brings him the most glory and it is the vessel that God will use. From the main text, I, I use the Living Bible most of the time. And Do we have the Living Bible? We don't have the Living Bible, that's fine. The Living Bible is now the NLT, but they've changed some things. So the way I wanted the wedding is not there. So... It says, from the Living Bible, the verse we read, 21, 21. Go, sorry, go back to 20, you see. You'll be, blah, 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 huh? The expensive utensils are to be used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. But in the Living Bible, they say that the cheap ones, they are used to collect garbage. And it really, it made me feel somewhere like, I was this. <laughs> yeah, but it's just to say that you can be in the household of God and you will not be used by God. You'll be used for other things somewhere. You'll be far away. You'll be wondering, hey, look at this person singing. It's like I can even sing better than her, but then you are far, far away. They are using you to sing Shatawali. And you think you think that is the hit. Yes. There are there are people who are in the household of God, but then they are not used for honorable things. And we'll later on find out why it is so. Hallelujah. So the second thing that we would like to say is that what is not God's kind, on, still on the point, what is not God's kind of vessel? So it is not the same as being useful in church. 
Yes, it's almost related to the same, the first point. It's not defined by the outward. And it's not the same as being useful in church. So there are some people who specialize in doing so many things. Hey, they can up and down, up and down, administrative work. They will do all, but when you ask, when God asks them, oh, I, 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 want, I want us to do something together, or I want a personal assignment, I want to give you a personal assignment, they just vanish. That one, that one is not their field. So there are those people who say that, me, my own is to sing. Apart from singing, I'll not do anything in the church. If they call me, I will not do it. My own is to wake up in the morning and pray for others. Once I pray for others and I come to church, I'll hide. If they call me, I'll not do it. I'll say I'm a shy type. There are those people too. They will be useful to the body of Christ as they wish, but not as God wants. So when the master has need for them, they will not be available, but they'll be doing what they like. Where they feel comfortable, where they, they can bask and be happy, that's where they'll be. But that is not God's kind of vessel again. To be useful in the church is not the same as to be useful for the master. Yes, there's one thing that we should have in our mind. It's not the same. They are similar, but they can become parallel lines. Yes, they can become so parallel and they can be so close to each other that you think they will touch, but they will never touch. Yes, so there's one thing that, that's another thing we should take note of. So the characteristics of God's kind of vessel. We'll move to the characteristics of God's kind of vessel. We'll quickly like to look at 10 of them, 10 characteristics. God's kind of vessel. So we stated in the first part that they cannot be defined by the outward. So the first characteristic is that they are defined by inward purity. They are defined by inward purity. Let's look at verse 22. 2 Timothy, verse 22. Okay, go back to 21 for us. Therefore, if any man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Hallelujah. So over here, we see the real characteristic very glaring in our eyes. What is God's kind of vessel? They are the ones that are defined by inner purity. They are the ones that have been separated unto godliness. They have told themselves inside and they have a standard for themselves that these are the things that I am not doing because the Lord hates them. So that's the first characteristic of God's kind of vessel. Then we move to the second characteristic. Please can we get Jeremiah 18 verse 4 in the NLT. Jeremiah 18 verse 4. Second characteristic of God's kind of vessel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay and started all over. This is a second characteristic of God's kind of vessel. They have been shaped by God and will be shaped by God and can be shaped by God to fit his purposes, hallelujah. They have been shaped by God 
and will be shaped by God and can be shaped by God to fit his purposes. This was a time where the prophet was sent to a potter's house to just look at how everything was going. And this was what was recorded. He was making a jar. And the thing didn't come out in the way that the, the potter wanted it to be. So he took it and he broke it. And he remolded it. For some of us, hey my God, if God wants to, oh, this, this part of your, your, and this thing, your, your emotional life, I don't like it. Your temper is too high. Can we, can we shape it a little? You'd be like, me, for my emotional life, it's not, it, it, it's, I'm the one who sets my standards. Yes, your, your financial life, God says, oh, uh, can we do 100 CDs as offering today? Like, hey, me, my pocket is for myself, or oh, I have a budget. Yes, so there are some things that we don't give to God. If you closely monitor your life, there's a part that you are holding back. Yes, there's a part that God gives for this place there. You let's leave this part out. But imagine breaking a pot and leaving a part out and making a different shape and trying to put that one inside. How will it look like? How if it doesn't leak, then we'll have we'll have greater troubles. Amen. So that's the second characteristic of God's kind of vessel. So the third one, they have worked hard to be pure and are still working hard to maintain purity. Hallelujah. The third characteristic, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, NLT. They have worked hard to be pure. Yes, and are still working hard to be pure. It says work hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. This was just a few verses before our main text, the text we read. So they are working hard. The Bible says that you have not struggled against temptation until you sweat great drops of blood. Can you imagine? After you sweat, after you sweat, you sweat blood. You've not, you've not struggled against temptation. But some of us, the way Satan does it, eh, he say, oh, you. You want to go and take the, the meat in the stew. You don't take it, but you just go and check in the kitchen and see whether something is on fire. That's how he makes you enter the kitchen. You don't say go and open the pot at once. So you say, oh. Or you can just go and walk by the kitchen and just smell it. Like, I think it's that one who hurt anyone. Then when you go beside the place, he'll, he'll fabricate another reason for you to enter. And then before you know it, you are down. Before you know it, you've really taken like four or five. And now there's nothing left. <laughs> there's nothing left in the soup and it's clear that someone has told it. Come on. Yes. But the Bible is telling us that these group of people, they work hard to be pure. And they are still working hard to maintain the purity. That should tell us in the first place that it is not easy. To live a pure life, it is not easy at all to live a pure life. Or who is, who is finding it easy? In this uh, social media world, where even ads, ads, ads can just tip you over. Come on. It's not easy. Or I'm the only one struggling. 
Ah, hey. <laughs> yes, so that is our third point. They have worked hard and are still working hard. The fourth point is they have pleased God. God's kind of vessels are vessels which have pleased him. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21, meet for the master's use. That God saw this vessel and God said, Ha, I can use this one. They have pleased God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Then the fifth point, I'd like us to read 2 Timothy chapter 22. Then we are reading it backwards. So we read 22 and then we read 21. Still in the NLT. Still in NLT. Run away from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteousness. Pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. So, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. So the fifth characteristic is the whole of the two verses we've read. There are people who see, who see impending danger and run. There are people who see sin and then they run. Like they don't even think twice about it. They don't say, oh, this one is small. I've handled bigger things than this. And then they go with their confidence and go and approach it. No. The Bible says clearly that flee youthful lust. So that's exactly what they do. That is the fifth characteristic of God's kind of vessels. They flee when the Bible says to flee. They flee youthful lust. They flee sin. They flee iniquity. Hallelujah. The sixth characteristic is almost as close to the first one. It's almost as close as the word close. They do not do evil. That's from 2 Timothy 2 verse 19. They do not sin. In short, they do not sin. They do not sin. I'll say thank you to the assistant for his ministration of awareness. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. They do not sin. And there's the seventh one, and this is actually one of my best and favorite. They are different, each one from the other. They are different. And this is in Esther chapter 1, verse 7. In the King James Version. Esther 1, verse 7. Esther chapter 1, verse 7. And they gave them drink in vessels of gold, the vessels being diverse one from another, and the royal wine in abundance, according to the state of the king. Hallelujah. So this was God. This was, this was a king, sorry. This was the king. Yes. Some people will argue that God was not mentioned in Esther, so they will beat me for saying this was God. But look at this verse. It says that they gave them drink in vessels of gold. Why did they have to tell us that the vessels the, the, the vessels are different? So, like, that's just trying to tell us something. 
that the state of the king, the state of the king made him give different vessels. You can look at it back and the reason that the parable of the, the talents. He gave each according to his state. No one can say, oh, why did God give me this? Why did he? Yeah, he did it according to his state. So what can you do? Sort of, yes. So the seventh characteristic of God's kind of vessels, they are different. No two of them are alike. Hallelujah. No two of them are alike. The eighth characteristic, they have heart holiness. This is almost as close to the first one as close. The first one was they are defined by, by inward purity. The eighth is they have heart holiness and practical righteousness. Amen. Amen. It looks like the big words. Anytime I see holiness and righteousness, I feel like ish. They are big words to me. Mark chapter 7 verse 3 and 4. Mark 7, 3 and 4. Yes. So for the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft and eat not. They wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. Hallelujah. The fourth fourth verse. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of the many traditions they have clung to, such as the ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. This is exactly what I was looking for. And please give us Matthew 23, verse 25 and 26. So for the, the Pharisees, in the olden days, in the Old Testament, in Numbers 31, 23, we'll read that one because of time. The Lord gave them an instruction that when you go to war and you get the bounty and you come back, you must purify every one of them. Everything you get, you purify it. If it is metal, you pass it through fire. If it is wood or earth and those things, you immerse it in water. So there was this sort of a pool. They used to call it, I saw this one, I saw it somewhere, so that no one would give me pressure. The mikvah, the mikvah. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Yes, so they just take the pot and then they dip it, like the way we baptize. They dip the pot inside like that. Then the pot becomes, they call it kosher, like holy. Yes, that's what they used to do. So that was what the Pharisees were doing. That's what the Pharisees were doing. And they, they would do all the ceremonial things. Can we get in 20, 25? What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, and for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. 26. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this is a, 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 a metaphor, should I say, to tell us about the inward holiness. It's about the inward. If you are holy inside, what will radiate will be holy, or the external will be holy. But if you are holy outward, it doesn't necessarily go in the inward. Hallelujah. I'm not the one who said it. It was Jesus Christ who said it. Hallelujah. 
First wash the inside of the cup and the dish, then the outside will be clean too. The first time I saw it, I was like, hey. So like, if I want to use this principle to wash my physical bowls, how will it be like? Yes, that should tell you that he was not talking about physical, physical things. Don't go and wash your bowls like that. Because your roommate will blast you, especially if you're a lady. Don't do that. Yes. So the ninth point, the ninth point, they are ready to be used by God. God. Characteristics of God's kind of vessels. They are ready to be used by God. They are ready to be used by God. Verse 21, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. So have this in your mind. There's a cup on the table, and the cup is full of milk. And a little girl is about to drink her Tom Brown. She's about to drink her Tom Brown. And she pours all the milk out. And then there's a, the cup on the table. She washes it, puts it down. Immediately her brother comes and is looking for a cup. He sees the cup. Oh, neatly washed. He takes it, uses it to drink Milo. Then he also washes it and puts it down. Then someone comes and the person wants water to drink. Wants water to drink. Then they rush and they take that cup and then they fetch water in it, send it to the person. Then the person drinks the water and it's not able to drink or it says, oh, okay, let me pour it on the flowers. So one cup that was readily available has been used in so many ways. One person has used it, another person has used it, another person has used it. It was always ready, always available, always neat, always clean, always pure. That is what God wants us to be like when he says he wants a vessel. Not like one that says, oh, I'm tired. Imagine you wake up one morning and you want to drink tea and your cup tells you, today they are not in the mood. <laughs> Would you be scared? Would you be scared of such a cup? A cup that can talk back to you. Yes, that's what we do to God, though. That's what we do to God, even without thinking about it. The, th- the tenth and the last point, they are available for the master's need. It ties very closely to what we just said. They are ready. They are ready. They are ready. They are ready to be used by God, and they are available for the master's need. I remember to be ready, <laughs> to be ready and to be available, they are nearly the same. They are nearly the same. I remember one time I was looking for this book and it was when I had to read on this topic that I remembered what I did. I was looking for a certain book. It was called The Man God Uses. Also J. Smith. Hey, I look for the, I looked and looked and looked. Like it was just nice to me that I was I was looking and no one had it. Like bookshop, oh do you have this book? You don't have it. Do you have this book? For some weird reason it was nice to me. So <laughs> one day I went to Indy's bookshop and then I finally saw the book. I was looking for this book everywhere and I lost interest in the book. I was like, well, I'll not buy it. Isn't it too weird? Yeah. Isn't it too weird? <laughs> so weird. I was looking for the book everywhere and I finally got it. And then I didn't want to buy it again. That's, that's one thing that can really, really, really happen to you without knowing. Yes, you would think you are ready. You are ready to buy. You are ready to buy. When is available then? 
you close your eyes on it. And I would like to pop one relationship advice for our ladies. Here, there are some there are some guys who just like the thrill, like they are chasing you, you are giving them pressure. That's what they like. <laughs> Once you finally give in, then they lose interest. Yeah, so those are dangerous people that you should be praying against. Hallelujah. Yeah, they just like the thrill. Oh, let me just chase her. She's giving me pressure. That's what I like. She's giving me. Attitude. I like that one. Uh-huh. Be praying against that. Amen. So, because of time, the administration of awareness, they said we are done. But then we have not talked about what it takes to become God's kind of vessel. Tell your friend what it takes to become God's kind of vessel. So I was thinking about God's standard, like, because even you, let's come down to our level. If some of us we get, we get small change, not even not even billions of dollars, so small change right now. We start saying, "Hey, me, nobody can match me." Oh. Like, I don't, I don't even wear chalewati out of my room again. I'm a brand ambassador. Our standard will just shoot to the sky like this. Yes, and this is like we the normal people, though. we the normal people. So I was looking at it and I was saying, hey, so what will it take to become God's kind of vessel? What will it take? And honestly, God's standard is high. And God will not lower his standard for you. Sadly. Sadly. Mama Pat will say that God will not understand. <laughs> God will not understand, yes. But the good thing is that luckily we don't have to do it alone. The Holy Spirit helps us as we grow in faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. God's standard is so high, but then you don't have to do it alone. You cannot, like whoever, you, you struggle unnecessarily. That's what some of our friends are trying to do, They're our Muslim friends and stuff. They are manually trying to, but it's, it's not possible. You want to, God, God to write the script for you, for you to follow. You cannot do it. Come on. Even me, cry if I give you my list right now, you cannot. <laughs> you can't. So what about God? Unless he himself, unless he himself helps us. Let's look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. So Presido was saying something about the purity and about how God helps us. Look at this, is this? Can we get the NIV? I think the NIV, yes, the NIV does a good job here for us. We'll soon, we'll soon finish, sorry. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levite and refine them 
like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God is involved in the purity process. God is involved. He sits and he watches you burn the impurity away. God sits like that. He comes into his temple. He says that he's at the door. He's, he's knocking. That you open. That you come and commune with you. And you commune with him. That is how he burns out the impurities. So the first thing to note is that God is involved in the purity process. And then it takes communion with God. It takes communion with God. It takes prevailing in prayer. It takes prayer. It takes communion. How do you commune with God without prayer? Come on. Then what are you, like, where is the communion? You talk to God. He talks to you back. You know that this is what he wants. This is what he doesn't want. This is what I should be doing. This is how he wants to use me now. That is communion with God from Revelation 3.20. And it is in communion that the work of purification by God is done. And as God sits as a refiner, you cannot afford to be all over the place, walking around, and God is waiting for you. Could you come and sit down and let's commune and let me burn some stuff I've seen today which is not good and you are all over the place with no time for God it doesn't take much to stand as a vessel the ministry of awareness hey, okay so we are, we are almost done it takes communion with God and it is purging before use and not the other way around. So in the example we cited as the Israelites who take bounties from the war ground, they did not come and use them before they go and dip them in the mikvah. No. They first do that and then they have their pots. Now I know that this is mine and then they use it. So the first thing is that God himself will refine you. Before God can use you, he will refine you. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes. So we should be willing and cheerful and willingly submit to the refiner and his fire. Hallelujah. And this, the, the last thing we'll say, the last thing we'll say, the last thing we'll say is the role of the seal of God. Numbers 19 verse 15. And in the refining process, there is a part where God refines you. And on our main text, we said that if a man purges himself, that is where the word becoming was taken from. God will do it and it will be in the past. It will be a past tense. But the becoming is, is on you to go to God every day and commune with him and constantly be his type of vessel. Look at this interesting verse. Any open container in the tent that was not covered with a lid is also defiled. We are talking about the role of the seal of God. This verse, the preceding verse was talking about when a man dies in the tent, what things are impure, what things are pure. Yes, when someone dies in the tent. So we Let's make this very nice analogy here. We know that 
the world is a big place. The household of God is in the world. Who doesn't agree? The household of God, the people of God are in the world. Jesus himself said it. That I'm going, but these people are still here. John chapter 17, when he was praying the priestly prayer. Yes. So when someone dies in the tent, this just talks about when there's corruption and decay in the same locality. When there is decay in the same locality, we know that sin breeds death, and there's sin all around us. Even if you go and turn outside right now, probably you see something that if it's not sin, it's tempting to sin. So in a case like this, where there's corruption around and, and everything going the way of nature, which is to decay, if you are an open vessel, if you are an open vessel, you will be defiled. I'm not the one who said it. The Bible said it. In such a corrupt world, if you don't have the seal of God, you will be defiled. This is where the work of the Holy Spirit comes in. There's also a ministry of awareness. As our assistant secretary is playing today for us, the ministry of awareness. It's the Holy Spirit that will guide you, safeguard you. Yes. It's the Holy Spirit that will keep you on track. A seal... A seal is, is something that prevents leakage. We've all seen vaulted bottles, how they are sealed. And a, a seal is an authenticating document. In the Roman times, if you see something that is sealed, you dare not open it without permission. You dare not. <laughs> but what will happen to you? You yourself cry. You, you ask God why. <laughs> yes. So a seal prevents leakage of fluids. So the seal of God is there to keep you on track, prevent you from absorbing things that you are not supposed to absorb, and prevent you from reacting to things that you are not supposed to react to. Hallelujah. So becoming God's kind of vessel is basically becoming a person transformed by the Spirit into Christ's likeness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the process the process. The process is what we are on now. That is our Christian journey. So we would like to close our eyes and ponder upon the goodness of God. How God has kept us even in our struggles. God has kept us in our struggles. And we have to just think about this. That man may assume that gold may be the best but then God takes each vessel and looks on the inside he takes every vessel one by one he turns them inside and looks to see which one is suitable for his use the material that we are made of is not our doing it's not your fault that you are an essence where it's not your fault that you are ceramic it's not your fault that you are silver or you are gold and you are highly sought after. But you are saying that, God, I have understood that I am not the one who decided the material that I am made of. But today I choose to be a vessel of honor. You are telling God in your heart that I choose to be a vessel of honor. I choose to be honorable and I choose to be ready and available for your use. 
and even as the wheel of my life is spinning round, that you keep fashioning me as clay in your hands, as you are the potter, you fashion me as clay in your hands, that when the wheel of my life stops, you will find me complete, that you will find me finished, that you will find me a vessel, the kind that you can use, that oh, when the wheel of my life stops, that you will not find me unfinished, that you will not find me broken and waiting to be redone, that day by day, I will become your kind of vessel. That is what you are telling God, that oh, I'll become your kind of vessel. Become your kind of vessel. That I won't keep running away, that I will not keep running away. That I will not be afraid to let you have your way. I will not be afraid. I won't be afraid to let you have your way. Okay. 